It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, August 15th, 2022, I'm Eben Brown. Russia agrees to allow U.N. inspectors to visit the key nuclear facility they've commandeered from Ukraine, which remains a target in the months of fighting. International experts and, and people who live there, people who are working in the facility, say that this could be even worse than Chernobyl if anything were to happen. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. One of the very first things Russia conquered in its war against Ukraine is the Zaporizhia power plant. It is a nuclear facility, the largest in Europe, and while Russia has been operating it, apparently with Ukrainian workers, everybody is worried that the plant, which still takes oncoming fire, is a very dangerous piece in this chess game. This is the largest nuclear power plant in all of Europe. Alex Hogan is a Fox News correspondent. She reports for us once again from Kyiv. And Russia took over the plant pretty early on in the war, but really why it's been coming into the headlines and why it's been the focus in the last week or two weeks is because the fighting has started to intensify just on the doorsteps of this facility and the shelling even hitting the facility. So that's caused some damage to the facility, which again, this is the largest nuclear power plant in the entire continent. So there's a lot of fears of what an attack could do, not only for the people in the surrounding areas, but just of how widespread the damage could be. And there are still Ukrainian workers who are in the facility working day after day, and they're under Russian occupation. And another alarming part of this story is that international watchdogs, the UN, the International Atomic Energy Agency, they are all saying that all of these safety protocols have been completely overlooked. So then when you combine that with shelling on the footsteps of this massive facility, it's a major cause for concern. So we have heard the Kremlin now say that they will allow experts to come in, which is something that these experts have been calling on for months but that being said, even though Moscow has announced they'll do this, they still have shown no signs of actually putting in um, these practices and actually putting anything in motion to get experts in there to examine the facility. It, it seems to be a, a typical Russian tactic that they say, OK, we'll we'll do this that everyone wants us to do. And then it never actually comes to fruition or they really do drag their feet into getting it. Um, is, is there... Um any more of a push to make Russia get this going? I think the world generally, no matter whose side anyone seems to be on, they, they do want this oversight of, of a nuclear facility. And I think that includes the people who, who live in that part of the world. I, I think um, Chernobyl is still a, a memory for a lot of people. And, and this is obviously not the same 
scenario, but a, a an at-risk nuclear plant is an at-risk, at-risk nuclear plant. Yeah, and international experts and, and people who live there, people who are working in the facility say that this could be even worse than Chernobyl if anything were to happen. So at this point, we know that there's 42 countries who have voiced their concern and they have called on Russia to let experts in to examine the facility. But the main thing really that we do need to focus on is the attacks that we've seen specifically hitting the nuclear power plant itself. So both Russia and Ukraine have blamed each other, saying that they are not the cause for the shelling. But Russian president or Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky over the weekend, he took this one step further, saying any Russian troops who either shoot at the facility or essentially use it as a shield by hiding behind it, they themselves will be considered special targets. So even even ramping up the escalation in terms of, of terminology of what we're using in, in this continued fight. And it really just has been this pointed blame that we've seen in recent weeks of neither country taking any responsibility for the actions. Um, and we're not seeing any sign of the fighting slowing down, at least not in the vicinity of this power plant. It feels that the fighting is really continuing no matter where the fighting is. Uh, in the eastern mm-hmm. part of the country, more evacuations, but also more attacks. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, there were a lot of attacks in the eastern part of the country, the Donbass, specifically the Donetsk region. The Donbass is split into the Luhansk region, which is mainly now under Russian occupation, and the Donetsk region, which is increasingly under Russian occupation. So from Russia's perspective, they're really trying to close in on this region to be able to secure both parts of the Donbass. Of course, Ukrainian troops are trying to hold on to whatever territory they can. The Ukrainian government is hoping that they will be able to evacuate two-thirds of the population. But there's a lot of people who live in these small towns who genuinely do not think that the fighting will tear apart their homes. And unfortunately, we're seeing just so many more people this weekend having to sift through the rubble after their home has been blown up. And these are the people who are just praying and hoping every single day that Ukrainian forces will win and maybe things could go back to normal. But more and more, we are seeing evacuations take place uh, Monday, just as more people over the weekend realize there's just no home for them. Uh, There was one woman who just gave a traumatic account of what it was like. She lives in the town of Kramatorsk, which was targeted this weekend repeatedly. And she said it felt like it was a horror movie. And she ran out and she actually watched her husband die, who had been hit. And he was still holding his cigarette. And she was there with him for the final moments of his life. And just how how deeply traumatic this is. And I think it's almost lost on some people around the world because we've been talking about this war for six months now, but the trauma and these attacks are just as real to the Ukrainian people who live in these towns as it was on the very first day of the invasion back on February 24th. And a story like hers is just not unique. We've heard many of these stories of people, you know, family members taking fire, losing uh, a spouse or a child or a, or a parent where just moments ago they were having a conversation with them. Uh, exactly. And now and now we hear, as, as you've been reporting, people are trying to evacuate. Uh, where, do, where do all these people go? You're talking about millions of people. You have to put them somewhere. You have to move them first and then you have to put them somewhere. Where, where do they go? 
most people that we're seeing flee are going to the western side of the country, specifically Lviv. While I'm in the capital of Kiev, there are some refugees who do come here. But for the most part, if you're fleeing, you're trying to get as far west as possible or leaving the country be it Poland or other parts of of the Europe European continent that are uh, seeing some of these influxes of people. But Poland really has been the primary country people initially leave to. We've seen a lot of refugees go to Germany because they say that's where they're seeing some of the best resources in terms of government assistance. Uh, I, I've met people who've gone to Spain first because they thought that uh, getting as, as far away in the continent would be their best hope. But then it really shifts into where can I set up a life for myself and where will I have the best access to resources, to education for my children, and where will I myself be able to find a job? We've been speaking with Fox News correspondent Alex Hogan, who is reporting once again from Kiev, the Ukrainian capital. On the Fox News rundown, War on Ukraine, we'll have more with Alex straight ahead. Now, aside from all the human tragedy that we've been hearing about that you've been reporting on, there are also animal tragedies and we do have humans to try to uh mitigate a lot of that and you got to speak with someone and and tell us about this story because this i think everyone always likes to hear when when good humans come in and try to help the animals so let, let's hear it yeah that's one thing that the the war really does shine a light on some of the people who are risking their own lives to save others and there's this one woman that we met natalia popova who is trying to save all the animals that have been abandoned across the country throughout the war and specifically on the front lines. And she lives in the outskirts of Kiev. She owns a horse ranch, but ever since the war started, she drives all by herself in a veterinarian ambulance. She'll drive into cities under attack and into these conflict zones and she'll save the left behind pets. But What's also really amazing is that she is saving the zoo animals that have been left behind and abandoned in either private zoos or wildlife conservancies. And she's going into cages, breaking them open. And all she brings with her are blow darts to tranquilize the animals. And since she's completely alone, this is one woman trying to pick up a lion or a tiger. She'll get Ukrainian troops in the nearby area to come help her physically lift those big cats and these other wild animals. There's deers and wolves and foxes, um, and she'll lift them into cages in her van before she drives back to Kiev. So we went out to her ranch, and since the war broke out in February, she's personally saved more than 300 animals. So we walked around her ranch. You would never picture lions in horse stalls and bears in open fields and wolves and goats and chickens all living in one place all at the same time. But what she does is she nurses them back to health. And then eventually she's actually getting them out of the country to other zoos and wildlife preserves across the world. So it's, it's amazing to see what she's doing. And then for her, she says it, it never gets easier. It's terrifying going into these places, but she wants to try to give these animals a better life. So all of the big cats are actually going to be sent to Africa to live the rest of their life on wildlife preserves. So at least getting them a little bit closer to what is supposed to be their natural environment. All right. Fox News correspondent Alex Hogan reporting for us in Kiev. Thank you once again for being with us on the Fox News rundown war on Ukraine. Thanks for having me. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.